give attention to the reading and hearing of God's word. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 9. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith, and this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Heavenly Father, you alone are worthy of praise. Thank you for your love and grace. By the power of the Holy Spirit, may your word nourish us and change us from the inside out for your glory. We pray this so that all will receive salvation through Christ Jesus, in whose name I pray. Amen. Today we are concluding our series on the seven Christian convictions that affect real change in a person's behavior. The Barner Research Group discovered that a person's moral behavior is directly attributable to having a biblical worldview. In their study they found a significant difference in the behavior of those who had a biblical worldview and those who did not. And this series is based on the Christian convictions that make up this biblical worldview. God is the creator and ruler over all of life. The Bible is accurate in all of its teachings. Christians have a responsibility to share their faith. Jesus Christ is our Savior who lived a perfect and sinless life. Absolute moral truth exists. And the topic for today's sermon, salvation is a gift from God and cannot be earned. So today, let us open our ears, our eyes, and our hearts to the word of God that it may transform us and glorify him. Today, we look at Ephesians 2, 8 through 9, and be convicted to realize that salvation is a gift of grace. We cannot earn it. At the equator, the speed at which the Earth rotates on its axis is to be calculated at about a thousand miles per hour. Think about this. Right now, we are on the surface of a gigantic spinning ball that is spinning at about a thousand miles per hour. And at this speed, you would think we should be immediately thrown off this Earth and hurling into space. But we're not. Why not? Well, I'm not a physicist, but I do have access to Google. And so I learned that we are not thrown off of this earth and hurling through space right now because of force, because of a force called gravity. The force of gravity is stronger than the force that would throw us off of this earth. So my question to you is this. Can any of you claim to have the power to keep yourself from being spun off this earth? Is there anything, anything at all, that you or I are doing right now to keep us from flying off of this earth? The answer, of course, is no, right? If it were not for gravity, we would be hurling through space right now. So, you know, it's silly to think that anyone would stand before us and claim that he is kept on this earth by his own power, that he is, in fact, so strong so smart, so whatever, that he is keeping himself on this earth even though it's spinning at a thousand miles per hour. My friends, this is what it is like to claim that we can earn our own salvation. There may be some who can claim that they can be good enough or smart enough to earn their salvation. 
But the Bible is very clear on this. Salvation is a gift from God alone. It cannot be earned. We cannot take any credit whatsoever for our salvation. The only one who can take credit for saving us is God. Let us look at the second chapter of Ephesians to better understand this. The book of Ephesians is a letter from the Apostle Paul, written to the church in Ephesus. It was written to the Christians in Ephesus to teach them about you being unified in Christ Jesus to live as God wants us to live. And so in chapter 2, we first notice that Paul is speaking to Christians who have already been saved. And he reminds them that they have no reason to boast because they did not save themselves. God saved them by his grace and love. The first question we ask ourselves is, what is salvation? Why do we need to be saved? What's the problem here? Verses 1 through 3 say, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following the desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were, by nature, objects of wrath. The Bible clearly states the problem is that we are dead in our sins. It does not say that we are injured or sick in our sins. We are sick. We are dead in our sins. The Greek word used here means that we are completely lifeless, a corpse. R.C. Sproul once used the illustration that compares the sick to the dead. A sick person can take steps to make himself better. A person who is sick can go to the doctor, take medicine, change their lifestyle, and hope to get better. What chance does a corpse have? The answer is none. First of all, it is amazing to think that a corpse could even come back to life again. It is even more absurd to think that a corpse could bring itself back to life by its own power. When you read the Bible, what is the image you get about the human condition? Because of sin, are we sick or are we dead? The Bible is clear on all accounts. We are not sick. We are dead in our sins. Romans 3 says, There is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So the next question we ask ourselves then is, How? How are we saved? If we are completely dead in our sin, objects of wrath, then what hope do we have? Verse 4 through 5 say, But because of his great love for us, God, who in his rich mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. The Bible clearly states that God made us alive with Christ Jesus. The Greek verb used here is so beautiful. The Greek word literally means to make a living creature with. It is a compound word that is made up of three parts. 
First, the root word itself is a compound word that combines the Greek noun for a living creature and the Greek verb to make. And then it takes this compound word and it attaches a prefix with to it. So the end result is a single word that literally means to make a living creature with. While we were dead in our transgressions, God made us alive with Christ Jesus. What is the agent by which we are made alive again? Verse 5 states that we were made alive again with Christ Jesus. So let's put it all together. First, we are completely dead in our sins. Not sick, not injured, but dead. Second, we are made alive again with Christ Jesus. Third, it was God who made us alive again with Christ Jesus. So what role does humanity play in all of this? What function do we have? What did we contribute to our own salvation? The answer is absolutely nothing. We were made alive again purely by God through the work of Christ Jesus. The consequence of sin is death. So we deserve to die because of our sins. But Christ Jesus died in our place. Christ Jesus died on the cross, was buried for three days, and then resurrected from the dead. It is purely the work of Christ Jesus that the consequence of sin is paid. Isaiah 53, 5 says of the Messiah, But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. The third question we ask ourselves is, so why? Why did God do this? What is so special about us that God chose to save us? The Bible clearly states that God saved us because he loves us. And through us, God will be glorified. Look, at me, look with me at verses 4 through 7. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ Jesus even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. It says that God made us alive with Christ because of his great love for us. It says that God has great love specifically for us. We are special to God, unique among all of his creation. Genesis 1.27 says, So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Look at Ephesians 2.10. It says that humanity is God's workmanship. It says that God created us in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared for us to do. What did God create and prepare for us to do? The answer is to glorify God. We were created for God's glory, to love him and be loved by him. In our recent home Bible study, N.T. Wright drew a wonderful picture of what it means to be created in the image of God. Humanity is like an angled mirror that serves two purposes. First, 
God chose humanity to reflect his love and his grace to all of his creation. Second, the glory of God's creation is reflected back to God through humanity's praise and worship. In the text before us today, who receives the glory? Who gets the credit for redeeming humanity? Who is credited with grace and kindness, humanity or God? In verses 8 and 9, Paul will conclude everything he just explained. The conclusion is this. This humanity, humanity is saved by grace of God, through faith, not by works, so that no one can boast. The only one who can boast is God. All credit, praise, and worship belong to God and God alone. In verse 8, first notice the conjunction. It is for, for it is by grace you have been saved. Paul concludes verses 1 through 7 here with a therefore. Therefore it is by grace you have been saved. The main clause of these verses is this. You have been saved. You have been saved. Paul then qualifies this with three phrases. You have been saved by grace, through faith, and not by works. And then Paul ends this thought with the phrase, so that no one can boast. Paul concludes that we are saved by grace. By now, this should be crystal clear. Because of our sins, we deserve to die. Because of our sins, we are completely dead. What can humanity possibly do to save ourselves from our sins? The answer is nothing. We are saved from our sins only by the grace of God. The Greek word for grace is charis. It means a gift or favor that is completely undeserved. When we sin, we reject God, and therefore we deserve to be separated from Him. But the grace that God gives us is this. Even though we rejected God, God still pursues us. Even though we offended God, God chooses to forgive us. Even though we deserve to suffer the consequences of our sins, Christ Jesus suffered the consequences for us. We deserve to die, but Christ Jesus died for us. Paul concludes that we are saved by grace through faith and not by works. Faith is the action of placing your trust in something. Faith is choosing something to be the source of your hope. And when Paul speaks of works, he is referring to the ability to follow the law. When Paul was writing to the church in Ephesus, he was trying to bring unity between the Jewish Christians and the Gentile Christians. There was division because some Jewish Christians thought that their closeness to God depended on their adherence to the law. Paul is saying here that we are saved by placing our trust in Jesus Christ to save us. We are saved not by trusting in our own adherence to the law or through good deeds. Paul wrote in Galatians 2.16, Know that a person is not justified by the works of law, but by the faith in Jesus Christ. Ultimately, it all comes down to who is completely 100% reliable. God or you. Are you willing to risk everything on what you can accomplish or what God has already accomplished. John said, Jesus said in John 11, 
I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Paul makes this entire argument for salvation by grace, through faith and not by works, so that no one can boast. In the end, Paul is making the argument that God is God, and you and I are not. There can be only one God. So I again ask the question, who among us can earn our salvation? Who among us would like to boast that he has earned righteousness before God? I, for one, cannot and will not boast of anything but the grace of God and his love through Christ Jesus. Inherent in the question of is salvation by grace or by works is the concept of control. When you examine the issue down to its core idea, you realize that the idea of salvation by grace alone boils down to the relationship between God and humanity. Who is in control, God or you? If you were to examine the idea from its contrary, you would arrive at the conclusion that humanity is responsible for its own destiny. If you argue that salvation is not by grace alone, but by your own works, then ultimately you are placing yourself in control and not God. The text we examine today points directly at this concept. Ephesians 2.9 concludes with the application, so that no one can boast. God's word tells us that salvation is not achieved through our own works. We cannot earn salvation. Therefore, since you cannot earn salvation, you, O man, O created being of God, have no right to elevate yourself over God. It all comes down to worship. In whom or what do I place my complete trust and worship? Do I place the fate of my eternity in my own hands or do I place it in, the, in God's hands? Do I worship myself or do I worship God? I pray that you will see how much God loves you. And through this, you will be able to place your complete faith and worship in God alone. God chose to save you because he loves you. All of the emphasis needs to be placed squarely on God. God, in his infinite power and majesty, he chose to save humanity. Even though humanity did not deserve to be saved, God saved humanity. If you study the Bible, and if you're truly honest with yourself, you will realize that no one can ever earn the right to be saved by God. No amount of good deeds will ever release us from the consequences of sin. We rejected God, not the other way around. And for our rejection of God, the only thing we deserve is to accept the consequence of our actions. Eternal separation from God. God wants a relationship with us, but we walked away from Him. What we earned, what we deserve, is God's rejection. However, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. We love 
because He first loved us. This is how God showed His love among us. He sent His one and only Son into the world that we might live through Him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. But God demonstrates His own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Father God, I thank you and worship you alone for your great love. I declare that Jesus alone is the only source of forgiveness of sin. I praise you, dear Jesus, for your death on the cross and resurrection. It is through your work that we are saved. And it is in your name that I pray. Amen.